You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Tony Groves, William Gibson, Chris Perez, and special guest Chris Scales. Hey guys. How's it going, man? Good evening. Hello, everybody. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey. All right. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Let's start with Chris Scales, your first time on. Uh, you recently joined up with Team Tafosi, and uh, we've been getting to know you a little bit. So let's go through our Q&A. Uh, where did you get your start on iRacing, and how did you hear about it? Um, I actually signed up uh, back in 2010. Um, I've always been a big Earnhardt fan, and uh, he's always been a big fan of iRacing, Dale Jr. has. So heard about it from him, signed up. My computer wouldn't run it. I, I built myself a, a new gaming rig just for iRacing, and then life kind of got in the way. And eight years later, um, it was kind of weird, actually. Um, I have been burnt out on NASCAR games for probably better than a decade now because they've just been so terrible. And NASCAR Heat um, came and went. I didn't buy it because I just assumed it was garbage. And right before NASCAR Heat 2 came out, they um, had it on sale for 20 bucks. I bought it, and it's not good, but it wasn't a burning pile of garbage. I think they actually did pretty good with the money they probably had to make that game. But um liked it enough that I bought two when it first came out, and... I raced a little bit online. It was, it's a nightmare. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, but I got with a group of guys that raced together regularly, which is what I was looking for. And the problem was all these guys were running wheels, had wheels, and I didn't. I was running a controller, and I just couldn't quite keep up. So I went out and got myself a wheel. Couldn't get it to work right on um, NASCAR Heat. So just I didn't think my computer would run. Um, iRacing, it's the same computer that I built eight years ago for it, but it did and runs pretty well. And yeah, here I am now. Now I'm just, I'm hooked. I can't, don't play much of anything else. All right. Well, welcome. Uh, how often are you racing these days and, uh, what series do you normally run? I'm on pretty much every night and, um, you know, maybe that'll fade after, you know, the newness wears off, but just about every night I'd race a ton on the weekends. I've been running um, all of the uh, the NASCAR series to get ready for NIS. Um, most for everything from the um, the K&N cars all the way up to the the A cars. Uh, like I said, all fixed races. I haven't ran too many open races, and um, just started to run a little bit of GRC. That's a blast. But I'm definitely going to be focused on the NASCAR stuff until I uh, get all of those tracks for sure. Just for financial reasons, I want to make sure I have all those tracks for NIS. Before I start um, looking too deep into dirt and some of the uh, you know the ovals or the road stuff, yeah, make sure you got your NIS tracks. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, what kind of that equipment? What type of wheel and pedals do you have? How many monitors? Um, I have a Thrustmaster TX because I, yeah, I got it to use with the the Xbox and um, just uh, playing on one monitor. Uh, the wheel's great. At the at Thrustmaster wheel is awesome. I probably won't be upgrading it anytime soon. Um, the pedals that come with it are kind of junk. I like to upgrade those at some point, and then hopefully maybe the next time or this time uh, next year I can get a Oculus and build me a new computer because the the one monitor setup is definitely not the way to go. But you know, for somebody who's just learning the service, you're trying to get around the tracks like I am, it's it's just fine. Right. All right, cool. What about uh, leagues are hosted or just official, or what is it there? I haven't done any league races, um, not many hosted races. I pretty much just run the official fixed race races that run, you know, whatever. Pretty much whatever's coming up is what I'll race. Anything in the anything NASCAR. There you go. All right. What about uh, third party software? Uh, I, obviously, TeamSpeak, but anything else? Um, yeah, trading paints, obviously. And then um, sim racing apps, I run it. I don't really use it. I, I have my hands full with just learning the tracks. But I like having it run in the background because you'll get the um, 
the countdown to your pits. And that was a big problem I was having when I was starting off is just trying to find my pit sign. Right. It's almost worth it just for that one feature, right? Yeah, right. Like I said, I actually, now when I uh, load up the app, I can't even find the window. It, it loads up someplace off of my monitor screen, which is <laughs> just fine because, like I said, I don't use it for that. I just use it for the, the pit road stuff. All right. And uh, you recently joined our team, T Team Tifosi. Uh, thank you. And uh, we're kind of in a growing phase as we uh, get ready for the 2018 season here. Uh, and then the final question, what's your most memorable iRacing moment? Um, yeah, I've only been around for a couple months. There hasn't been a, there's been more, um, heart wrenching moments than, um, good ones. But, um, week 13, this last week, 13 was my second week on iRacing and I raced a couple of, um, pickup cup races and my first race in the A car at Talladega, I won and I didn't really appreciate it as much as I should have, even though I found out later it's unofficial and didn't really count for much, but it is really hard to win on here, and I wish I would have appreciated it more a month ago, because there hasn't yeah, been any wins wins since. Are hard. Yeah, winning is real hard, no matter what series it is, and uh, in fact, you got your first uh, dirt road win with me the other night. Uh, you got uh, You won the consolation race, I believe. Yeah, I was the, the one out of the four guys that went off track least, I, I guess. <laughs> well, a win is a win is a win. That's right. All right. Well, I was happy to see you uh, break through there the, and, and uh, watch you get that uh, first dirt road win in GRC. Uh, we, we were running a little bit of that. That was pretty fun. In fact, we got to race uh, together, but I, you couldn't quite keep up with me, it seemed like. No, I, I noticed that when you were laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you got to survive that first laugh. That is always a trick. Uh, looking at your profile, uh, your stats, uh, winning percentage, 0.4. You have that one win in the oval. Uh, 0.4 is your winning percentage, so you need to pick up there. I will certainly help you get some wins in NIS this year uh, to pad that number a little bit. But But the best number you got is a... Top five percentage, 12.9, which is pretty good. That means you finish in the top five, 12% of all your oval races. So good job. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, all so right. I, I race a ton. <laughs> I don't do a whole lot of practice. I, all my practice is on the racetrack. I actually haven't looked at how many races I've run, but yeah, I would probably, hey, my stats could probably be a little bit better if I would probably spend a little bit more time on the track before jumping into races, but. I think I'd rather learn just from watching the fast guys. Yeah, consistency is what it's all about. I mean, and, and you're not kidding. You have a lot of uh, races. You're 2018. Now, remember, we're still in January, okay? You have 5,661 laps so far. Yeah, I think my, my wife might think I have a problem. It might be an addiction. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, all right. Well, cool. Welcome. Um, let's get into racing results and let's talk uh, series. We got the NASCAR iRacing series is in hiatus. We got the Daytona 500 coming up soon. Uh, boy, I can't wait for that. Uh, Road to Pro is tonight. Dover, ACAR. I did some laps earlier today uh, to get some practice. Uh, we do have an open set. I couldn't seem to run it without wrecking, so I think I'm going to be running fixed. I uh, don't know if any of you guys are running tonight. No, not tonight. No, I'm uh, I I'm staying away from Dover. I, I can't afford to, to lose there the way I've been at these short tracks lately. All right. Uh, yeah, it is hard. I, my, my initial impression, now remember the car has changed since the last time I've been at Dover. And... If you get out of the gas, even a little bit, it upsets the car so much that when you get back to the gas, the thing is coming around. And what I learned in practice is you better not be getting out of the gas at all or you will wreck. And that's, and it never drove like that in the past. I mean, it's really hard to drive. And even coming off pit road, just coming up through the gears, it's real easy to spin that car. Yeah, that's one of my worst tracks. Just avoid that one. 
Yeah, I raced there a ton last week, and I think I'm just about fed up with Dover. I'm much happier with Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, this is a 200-lap race tonight, so half distance. Uh, I don't know. I'll probably run it, uh, even though I'm going to be running fixed, uh, to see if I can survive. Uh, Let's get into results. Uh, Will, you got a first win. Tell us about the Pro Late model. Yeah, I've been practicing a lot with setups for the C truck, and I was just getting tired of that, so I picked up a race. Uh, only seven cars, but um, picked up my first win in the Pro Late model, so now I have a win in the Limited, the Pro, and a second place in the Super Late model, so that's the next one to take off the list. But yeah, first win in the Pro, first win at Knoxville. It was a fun race, and I actually ran the fix set. I changed the rear gear a tiny bit, but we didn't have a single caution. So with six laps to go, I got the call saying I had five laps of fuel left. So, Ooh. yeah, I was able to. It sputtered coming off of four. I managed to save just enough. The track was slick enough. I didn't have to stay in the throttle to keep the power down. And it, it sputtered coming off of four for the checkered. But I think the guy behind me was within a second the whole time. He, I'm pretty sure he was trying to save fuel as well. So it kind of worked in my favor. Um, if he had one more gallon of fuel, he probably would have drove right past me, but, uh, tons of fun. It feels good to win another one. And I spend so much time away from dirt doing like the 24 hour and I've been practicing, working on setups to hop back in and get a win felt really good as good confidence boost. Heck yeah. Well, good job there. Uh, uh, let's talk league racing. I ran a league race Wednesday, uh, Tony. It was you and me, and who else? Uh, it would have been uh, Justin Laird. Was, oh, uh, Justin, right. And, uh, I mean, we were we were not in position to win as we were kind of, the, the, race was, the race was winding down. It was kind of a green flag look to it. And I had a, I decided to make a pit call, and it wasn't a good call. It didn't work out for us, but there were a bunch of laps left. We decided to cut them in half and pit halfway through those set of laps and get fresh tires. And everyone else didn't. Uh, they stayed out and on the horrible, horrible tires and ran the fuel out and to get to the end. They had enough fuel to make it. We thought that the tires gave up enough that everyone was going to pit, or at least I thought so. And so, sure enough, the three of us pitted and uh, it didn't work out. Dang. Yeah, it's kind of one of those ones you kind of, you know, flip the coin. I mean, heck, if uh, if everybody did come in for a pit, it would have been a great strategy and um, would have put you guys up front for that. Well, and, you know, I don't think we lost anything by pitting. We ended up getting back to the same positions we were running before the pit. Uh, but still, uh, I felt kind of bad making that call. It was probably a bad call. Yeah, but just think of it this way. If you nailed, you know, the, the the call right every time, everybody would be bugging you for advice. That's the idea. <laughs> well, uh, so that was Wednesday. Uh, I've been running GRC uh, in the evenings a little bit. Uh, I had one race where uh, Daytona, coming up to the front stretch on the S's there, got uh, flipped over the wall, the pit wall. And like literally barrel rolled over the wall, landed on the tires and kept going and didn't even lose, but you know, a quarter second. It was amazing little routine. Uh, those cars are something else. They can roll and still drive. Yeah, they're very durable. And, uh, and then Chris, I was running with you last night, some, uh, some GRC and I actually got, I had a good run going. I think it was fourth in the feature and got disconnected, uh, lost internet somehow and dang. And so, uh, finally got reconnected and then ran another race and won it. My, uh, for my second feature win in GRC, uh, had the pole, got the whole shot and led every lap. And that's really the way you win these races. You got to have, you got to be on that front row for the, for the feature. If you think you're going to win these things, sometimes you can be on the second row and make it work, but. Yeah. Mike, you about had another one that same night. You just barely clipped that, um, tire stack, but you were. Oh, I was leading guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was right. I was leading a different one and, and blew it. Yeah. Barely clipped the tires and, uh. And it, and it went around on me. So, 
Yeah, so I've been having fun with GRC. They're in Iowa today, uh, this week, and I did run a couple Iowa races earlier, and I'm not as good there, but I, I can still pull top fives. Uh, I seem to make mistakes on the Joker lap a lot, but... Uh, okay, next is, I want, we want to do a shout-out as a team to a guy named Chris Bull for all the great paints that he's been providing uh, Justin Laird has been uh, working with Chris Bull to uh, get paints for the 24-hour race uh, for all these dirt cars and different things we've been running. So uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, good good work out there. So let's talk 24 hours. Uh, leading up to the 24-hour race, we got word that uh, once again, uh, Ian Plash, uh, iRacer, is going to run the entire 24 hours by himself to raise money in benefit for St. John's Children's Miracle Network Hospital. And uh, last year he raised $900 for sick children in need of treatment. Uh, you, you could have participated by going to extralife.org and donating, you know, for each lap that he uh, completes. He, you know, you get so much money and so forth. But uh, I didn't hear how he finished. Uh, did you guys hear of anyone else running a uh, solo for 24? I think maybe, uh, uh, what's his name did it too. There was another guy. I was too busy working and when I wasn't in the car, didn't catch much of it. Yeah. I think Jonathan Dicker is the other guy I think who ran it, um, solo, but you do get disqualified if you do that. It is a team event. I think he's doing it just for the notoriety. Of course, uh, every second was broadcast of the entire 24-hour race over at V8s Online. Uh, that was quite a broadcast. I did tune in a few different times just to see what was going on in the top split. And uh, who was there at the start? Was anybody there at the start? Apparently, there were server issues. We had a couple guys. They're not here with us today, but uh, apparently... Uh, a lot of people couldn't connect to the server at the beginning of the race. Uh, the server got put back up. Everyone was able to connect and continue on. Not too many people affected. I mean, uh, it sounded like most teams or most people were able to get back in the car by the start of the race, even though initially it didn't kick off well. Uh, boy, it seems like we were doing good with the connection problems and stuff, guys. And now here's another big event and and problems. I'm kind of worried about the Daytona 500. I think they had over 3,000 entrants. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I think I've ever seen since I've been on the service. So hopefully it um, they are prepared for that 500, knowing what numbers to kind of expect for those big events. Yeah, Kevin Bobbitt put in the forums an apology. He said, obviously, not the start to the morning we were hoping for. Our sincere apologies to anyone who was negatively impacted. Please know the staff has been all over this all morning, digging into logs and data to see what was going on. We have staff from multiple departments on standby for all big events. I don't have any more info to share presently. I'll leave that to the technical guys. Staff is continuing to monitor. We are not planning to restart the session or start another race at this point. I don't know. To me, it just seems like this is just it's too often on these big events that it, this happens. I mean, there's, I know there's you know a lot of work they do to you know get this to where it is, but it just seems like these big events they need better planning or something. Yeah, they need to figure it out. That's for sure. Uh, as far as our team goes, uh, we ran the Ferrari, and uh, I think pretty early on in the race we did blow an engine. It took 41 minutes to repair. So that pretty much set us back. Uh, I got in much later in the in the race, uh, and I had a blinking problem. I was running with you, Chris Perez, uh, and, and we were trading off the car and whatnot. And uh, I had a problem where I kept getting run into uh, because I was blinking out. I had uh, in two within two laps, I got ran into three different times. Now, our car was down on speed, so I was always getting passed, and it was like they couldn't even see me. Uh, in fact, I posted a video 
of where I got wrecked out, which caused 13, mani- uh, 13 minutes required damage after gotten run over uh, from behind as I approached the, the bus stop. Uh, you can clearly see in the video, I'm right up against the wall, as far over as you can be, and the guy just runs right over me like I'm not even there, you know. Man, see, on my end, it didn't even, I couldn't even find you. Your, the ping and everything on the, and the quality all looked good, but just I couldn't find you anywhere on the track. It was weird. Well, I certainly had connection problems for this race. It was like every hour and a half, if I didn't restart the sim, I was going to have this problem. And it happened three different times throughout the the race where I had to restart the sim. Uh, good thing that Chris was there to jump in the car when when I had my problem. Uh, that's really smart uh, that David, you know, planned that, you know, everybody, we have at least two people in the room at all times and for those kind of situations because that certainly paid us, paid off. Uh, f- as far as the finish of the race, uh, we did come in 12th in class, 33rd overall. Uh, our team was Joe McDonald, Will Gibson, Mike Ellis, Chris Perez, Mike Ducker, and Justin Laird. So shout out to those other guys that uh, joined us to uh, to get it done. Yeah, I just want to shout out um, David Flowers for putting that whole thing together. He um he went above and beyond to make sure everything was prepped and ready to go. Everyone knew what that was, knew what was going on and I think if it wasn't for him, it'd probably been a been a big mess. So I just want to shout out to him because that was probably one of the one of the coolest things I think I've ever done in a sim. So yeah, it's definitely a, a different experience if you haven't done it. And yeah, shout out to David. He did a fantastic job for his first time as team manager on a on an event like that. And you certainly do need a manager to kind of coordinate the schedule and herd the cats and. I gave him a few uh, tips and tricks and pointers uh, along the way, but he pretty much, you know, handled it on his own and did a great job. So uh, good job to Dave. All right, let's get into topics. Will, you're up. Yeah, so we had, uh, we want to do another quick team shout out for Matt Wallen. Hopefully I'm not pronouncing that wrong for running our of grc bug paint so thank you to him and i'm gonna throw that up as the thumbnail on the youtube um for this week's podcast so will you're talking about you can go to trading paints and run iRacers lounge podcast paints uh on your own car is that what happened yeah so i've been posting some up on my trading paints if you search me by user it's just will gibson um i believe i have the grc bug uh dirt sprint car winged i have dirt midget and a toyota tundra class c truck right now i'll try to post some more of those up but yeah if you guys want to run the iRacers lounge logo um kind of help us promote the podcast uh, feel free to run those paints and if you actually send us those paints via um email or through facebook messenger i'll be more than glad to post those up in the um video edit of the podcast yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Though. I was in a GRC race and uh, look over on the grid and what? It's the iRacers Lounge podcast car. Who is that guy? And it's some guy I've never even seen before or even know. And uh, But thank you, Matt Wallen, for running that. That's pretty cool. All right, Tony, what's next? Well, uh, it's like we got a, a windowed mode uh, bug. It's, uh, it's, it's crashing when you're, when you're in, using the windowed mode. Um, not for uh, everybody no no it doesn't look like it's for everybody um they've uh they've been doing a, a lot of back and forth um trying to hammer out the problem and it um they, they tell us it's uh they, they are working on a fix um i can't really go into it because i don't really understand um, i think it has to do with windows 10 and the most recent update I think it's called the Creators Edition, and if you have that and you run Windows mode, you could be affected by this. But they are working on a fix. Okay, yeah, they got into a little too much, uh, too much detail for for my brain to to understand. <laughs> All right, I'll pick up next. Uh, and talking about that fix, uh, they announced Season One Patch One. 
hot fix number one on January 18th. And then the release notes came out, and what they fixed was a critical issue where some track objects were falling out of the world and causing the sim to crash. So he's talking like cones and tires and stuff like that uh, falling through the ground and crash your sim. Yeah, so they fixed that. Uh, Dirt Midget Car, they reverted the changes to the steering system that they made last week back to where they were before. Uh, They reduced the maximum brake torque and reduced engine braking. Uh, They also undid the steering changes to the Dirt Sprint Car non-winged. Dirt Street Stock Season setups have been updated. Uh, Mercedes GT3, they fixed some engine sounds. And Lanier Dirt, uh, they fixed the setups for that. So just a little patch and... uh, some more information from Steve Reese about why they undid the steering changes in the midget and the sprint car. Uh, he said the patch yesterday essentially reduced the rate at which the front wheels would steer and limited the max steer angle a bit. It seemed to be a bad move overall, so I put it back to the original release for the hot fix this morning. So it sounds like they tried it, they didn't like it, and put it back. Uh, and then it was announced the next day on the 19th, an emergency hotfix was announced with no uh, uh, prior notice, really. Uh, they kind of put it on iRacing about mid-morning, I mean on Twitter, that they were doing it about mid-morning, and, uh, and then they got it released. Uh, now, part of when they announced it was released, they said... As an added bonus for our hotfix downtime this week, please feel free to use the iRacing test drive service all weekend long. So they had test drive open for the entire weekend. Uh, I took advantage of this uh, Friday night. What, did you guys try anything? I didn't get a chance to. I got stuck working all weekend, so I was kind of bummed out. I wanted to do that. Yeah, so basically the way it works is you go to testdrive.com iracing.com it's a completely different website it's real simple you have a drop down selector for car and then track and you can run cars that are not owned by you and so i got to try the dirt sprint car for the first time and i love it really hard to drive Uh, i tried the 410 winged sprint car and uh, my reaction to that car is holy cow this thing is fast 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 and because of the downforce from the huge wing you can just drive that thing through the corners at almost full speed i mean you're just barely lifting out of the throttle it's almost flat uh so you were right will i really do like that car yeah that that wing um i'm glad you got to try it that wing definitely makes it a lot easier to drive than some of the other dirt cars um but once you start to get in a race and the track slicks off you do kind of have to work that throttle just a little bit, but, you know, I'm glad you got to try that out. Um, did you happen to try the Dirt Midget at all? Yeah, the Dirt Midget, yeah. I love that thing, how the front end lifts up if you get on the throttle just right. And, uh, oh, yeah, I had a lot of fun at Lanier Dirt running that. Um, and I think I got it up to speed pretty darn good, considering it was my first time in the car. Uh, I also ran the Lotus 49, and I, I don't know why I don't own this car, but I love, love, love the Lotus 49. I took it on California Speedway, and boy, this car is fast, but man, it doesn't have any downforce at all, so it doesn't turn worth beans, but boy, is it fast. Yeah, I, want, I, drove, I tested that car once, and I was like, man, these guys that drove this car in real life, I don't understand how they can do it. It's literally an engine with four wheels, and there's really nothing else left to the car. There's, like you said, no protection, no cockpit of any kind. I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I can't remember, is that the before they actually started putting seatbelts in cars? Because I remember at point they didn't have seatbelts in the race cars. It probably was, yeah. That was one of the first. Okay, and then finally, they uh, announced the 2018 Season 1 Patch 1, 
And the change log there was they made a change uh, to the joined session page due to widespread web browser change that created obstacles for members viewing race results immediately after exiting a session. So I don't, so what I noticed this today when the race is over and you hit continue, you used to get the pop-up with the results. Guess what? There's no pop-up anymore. It just shows you a button on the main page and you can click that and get the pop-up. I kind of like it the new way. I, just one last thing to close out. Yeah, if you and if you don't care about the looking at the results, you don't have to look at them, right? Or close it. Man, most of the time I do so bad I don't want to see it. All right. Uh, okay, Tony, you're up next. Oh, the uh, uh, article from AutoWeek.com saying the, uh, the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval has yet another new configuration. Um, so they've uh, looks like they've they've taken out a turn and uh, one or two turns to try and uh, knock some. 10 to 15 seconds off the lap times. Um, it was, uh, they had a bunch of guys uh, testing it out. Kurt Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Daniel Hamrick, and Jamie McMurray. And uh, once they got their input uh, put in, it looks like they, they took some of that and applied it to to yet another um, addition of the, the Roval. This, I think they got to be <laughs> settling on this one, though. Yeah, I think this is the final configuration. Uh, they're going to run a, Mar a March test, and the race is September 30th. Uh, I wanted to pipe in on this. This is a real-world racing thing, but it's a huge opportunity for iRacing, in my opinion. Uh, the cup teams are going to be clamoring for any type of advantage for this race, considering it's race three of the first round of the playoffs and it's an elimination race. I was thinking if iRacing can work quickly with Charlotte Motor Speedway and NASCAR and get this thing scanned and build the track and get it released in the June build, the payoff would be big because look, number one, iRacing is going to rescan it anyway. We already know that. And they plan on building it. It's just a matter of when, right? So let's do it sooner. Doing it sooner and getting out by early summer gives the teams and drivers time to test it on iRacing and get some seat time and laps around the track. I'm sure it's going to be a huge advantage for other cup drivers who don't do it um, because this is a track that they're going to be going into that no one has ever raced on until September 30th. And so as far as I know, there's you know it's a brand new configuration, so obviously there's no simulated track that uh, people can drive in a simulator. Number three, uh, the publicity for iRacing over the summer once fans see the cup guys all getting on iRacing to prep for that playoff race would surely drive membership. Uh, number four, I was thinking, well, guess what? The, the cup teams may be already two steps ahead of my thinking. I'm probably not going to be surprised if I hear Chevrolet is already building this particular track layout for their sim. Yeah, Mike, I was watching um, Martin Truex drive around this track yesterday, the, their finished product, and they're going to need something like iRacing to get ready for this thing. It looks like a nightmare. Um, the chicane they're talking about on the backstretch, to me, just looks like some cones that the drivers had to kind of zigzag through, and then they'd go down into a... One of the turns has walls on both sides, and it's extremely narrow. I mean, I'd never, I don't know that I've seen that in a NASCAR road course before. There's just so narrow, and there's just no place for the cars to go. I think they're going to need that extra practice. Yeah, and, you know, they already scanned the road course, what was it, in November? Uh, once After they had announced that they were going to do it, iRacing actually went there and scanned it, but then they've made more changes, as Tony already said, so now they got to go back again. Now, they still haven't put in, like, all the final touches, like the rumble, sti rumble strips, you know, the permanent rumble strips and all that. So I don't know if iRacing has to wait for that or can they scan it anyway and just, you know, fudge those in. Uh, but, man, this is a huge opportunity for iRacing. I hope they jump on it. 
Yeah, and then could you imagine, say, Kyle Larson gets in, wins the race, and says, hey, I think iRacing for scanning this and having this ready to go for me, or any one of those drivers that use the service, that would be huge. Um, huge advantage, wouldn't it, for that driver who, who has done laps on the track versus someone who hadn't. That plus even for the engineers, like I know Scott Speed talked about him and his engineer driving the sim and they talk about like how the car handles it's a huge advantage overall and i hope they get it up quick and whoever wins there does well is able to speak towards iRacing and say like hey they were on top of it um it was a great tool for us and that would definitely drive membership up especially because it's i'm surprised they made a race that's this important a new track um i don't think they've ever done anything like this they've only ever done sonoma and Watkins Glen, which are purpose-built road courses um and for it to be one of the playoff races in the chase is huge so yeah any any advantage those teams can get they're going to take advantage of and i'm sure iRacing um wants to take advantage of that and i hope they do yeah i heard a podcast earlier this week with uh it was fast talk uh produced by prn and uh they had uh, CEO of uh, SMI, Marcus Smith, as a guest, and he was talking about the evolution of this uh, configuration. And he was the guy who actually came up with the idea to to do this race on a on a road track, and and he's the one making it happen. And he said that he intends to make this a world class track uh, road road facility that's you know could be used for Formula One or any type of uh, racing series, motocross, whatever. And he's already had a ton of uh, interest from other series that are interested in running on this configuration. So they're really going to make it nice with lots of proper runoff and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm personally a big fan of any time the cup cars, or any car for that matter, goes to a track they're kind of not made to run. So some of the best races are at the road courses or short tracks because there's more car than track and you really have to drive it. And I hope this is successful and we see more road courses in NASCAR, but as far when it comes to I racing, I hope they are quick to adapt to this as well. Yep. All right. Well, what's next? All right. So we actually had a post from our Twitter post from race spot TV asking if anyone was interested in getting involved with I racing commentary. Um, Race Spot TV is looking to add to its list of commentators, specifically those available in North America time zones. Um, and they have a link to their website, RaceBotTV slash hiring, um, where you can actually go in, put in an application to um, commentate for them. So if you anyone's interested in commentating, or it's definitely a great opportunity because I've watched a lot of their broadcasts and they are uh, phenomenal, um, top quality, hands down. Yeah, they're one of the big broadcasters. Uh, I'm surprised that they're just reaching out to the general public. They obviously need help. Uh, but, man, if you're wanting to get – I used to do some commentary before this. I started this podcast, and it was a lot of fun. I, I had a, a, a huge, great time doing that. It was, it was a blast, and if I wasn't so busy, I'd probably get involved again. But uh, check it out, guys, if you want to check that out. It's a pretty cool opportunity. Maybe we should just uh, give Dale Jr. a call. Uh, if he used iRacing to help with his racing career, he could use this to practice for his broadcasting career next year. <laughs> I'd love yeah. that. Let's get Steve Letard on there with him, too. That'd be great. All right. Uh, I got the next one. Uh, iRacing put out a video. Well, this this is kind of out of order, but... They did put out a video before the 24-hour race, a nice little promo video for the 24 hours. And, uh, boy, I was really impressed with, I mean, the videos that they're putting out recently are top-notch. I mean, they got this music video kind of quality to them, uh, the way they edit them. I, I can't really explain it, but it's really fun to watch. Yeah, they've... I'm new to the service, but I would say definitely over like the last two months, the video quality has been well above and beyond whatever anything I've really honestly ever seen. Um, yeah, they got back, somebody new, obviously. 
Yeah, going all the way back, I think one of the first ones I really kind of took notice on was when they announced Knoxville. Um, and, like, they did the Dirt Midget and some of the GRC stuff. But everything after that, the Chili Bowl video, this one here, um, the quality has just – the editing is phenomenal. It's way better. And they're great videos. I almost wish they would put them out in, like, two weeks ahead of the race versus one week just so we have some extra time to talk about them before the event starts. Right. Um, and we're a weekly podcast, obviously, so – yeah, the quality is there. I would just say if they put it out maybe a week or two sooner, it would definitely help help drive some of these events cause just because it's exciting to watch that video, but the problem is the race is already over. <laughs> right. Now, something uh, – I got a terrible memory, but um, I want to almost think that we we talked about a position that they were hiring for for doing for this doing kind of show. thing. Um, and I don't think it was all that long ago. So, if my memory serves me correct, they've obviously got the <laughs> they obviously found the right guy to do the job. Yeah, that's that's the point I'm trying to make is they've hired that guy, and that guy is good. <laughs> all right, uh, what's next? Well, uh, a Twitter post from uh steve myers answering a question and this one um this one really bummed me out uh the question was asking if we're uh you know when are we getting the the new camaro uh cup car and uh yeah i i run the chev car so i'll be upgrading to the to the camaro when uh when we do get it but steve myers posted that it is going to be a while most likely the june build we only just received the correct data and still need to do a reference trip to see the car we plan on taking this opportunity to improve the overall model and not just make the changes. Um, so, you know, there's a little silver lining in there, but, you know, it, it's – I didn't expect to be able to start the, the NIS season with it, but I was hoping uh, to be able to pick it up, you know, shortly after the start. But, ah, I'm going to have to wait a couple of months. Bummer. Uh, a lot of months. June is what he said, so. Yeah, I was trying to make it sound – less bad in my own brain i'll be here before you know it well and it sounds like they're doing more he says to improve the overall model and so maybe they're going to look at uh, tweaking you know the body so to speak which is basically the same on all three cars they just skin them differently all right what's next will all right, so we had another post from uh, the GRC series, our Red Bull, on Twitter. And it um, shouts out Mitchell DeJong on top once again. But they actually caught me off guard with this one. Um, actually, I saw the tweet when I was at work. They started out with Graham Bolin and Garrett Lowe's battle stole the show. But it was Mitchell DeJong on top once again. So at first glance, actually, I thought somebody actually finally beat Mitchell DeJong. And uh, the screenshot they use is two cars getting into it right over the jump. So I, they definitely caught my eye with it. But, yeah, no, Mitchell Zhang um, wins another one. He hasn't so lost kinda, yet. Yeah, week in, week out, he gets it done. But they um they definitely have their clickbait on point because I was just at work scrolling through Twitter on my phone. And it caught my eye. I'm like, oh, wow, if they finally beat him, open the link. And I was like, oh, no, he won again. <laughs> Yeah, a little uh, headline play there. To, but yeah, Mitchell Jajong, man, he's getting it done. All right, next up, uh, a poll on the forums. It says, if there weren't enough numbers for an official race, should they pad the numbers with the AI cars to make the race official, like fill the field? So you might have like five humans and then four you know, AI cars, so you have a field of nine or whatever. And so the the results are in. Uh, 108 people voted, and 67% said no. AI is the devil. <laughs> uh, yes got 6%. Yes, and make it official. And 27% voted yes, but make it unofficial. So what do you guys think? Add AI to official races to fill out the field? Nah, I don't like that. No, not not to make it official. I say, you know, yeah, sure, throw them in there, um, so you can still race, but don't don't make it official. 
It, I think it depends on how good the AI is. I mean, if they race good and it's like racing a human and whatnot, and it's not like they're on railroad tracks, then maybe I'd be okay with it. I imagine even racing some slightly broken AI would probably be better than racing some of the humans I've raced against in the last couple of weeks in the D-Series. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, Tony, what do you got next? This, uh, this is really, uh, really cool. Um, John Hammer, a friend of the show, um, is uh, throwing out... Uh, chassis setups um for the uh for the open series this year um he's uh oh i had this all in my head um he says that he's not going to make any claims that these chassis will win anything the the intent is to provide something contrary to the fix set so um you know it'll it'll give you a like a solid base if you got some knowledge and even if you don't have any knowledge um it's it's going to be better than the fixed set to to go and run these tracks in the in in the open NIS series. Yeah, and so far he put up Daytona and Atlanta, so check it out and you can get a free set from Mister John Hammer, who's uh, kind of a crew chief affic- uh, affectionado, I should say. Uh, so pretty cool, John. Uh, John also uh, laid another tidbit in the forums that I thought was interesting. Uh, regarding, uh, he was, he was involved in the, uh, post about the 24 hour server problems at the start of the race. And, and he reminds everybody about the Q bar, you know, how you look at your ping and your connection and stuff. And you have the one that's the Q. He says, if it's on the left side, you're the problem. If the Q bar is on the right side, iRacing is the problem. So in a very simple language interpretation, he tells you what that cue bar means. And I think I had forgotten that uh, before he said that. Yeah, I had either uh, forgotten about it or just plain out didn't know. And I'm probably going to go with the latter, but this, this makes it very clear, black and white. Yeah, so if you're looking at, if you're having a connection problem, look at that cue bar. If it's on the left, it's you. If it's on the right, it's iRacing. And apparently, uh, from what I understand on the post, all the server problems were on the left for most people on this last race on Saturday. Which indicates, I don't know, that means it would not be a server issue that caused the problems, but I don't get it. I, I still don't understand exactly what happened. Well, if everybody had, you know, a lot of the mass people had issues, it sounds like it was a network problem going into maybe iRacing server base. Well, I was just going to yeah, say something along the same lines. It'd be interesting to see the percentage of people that were affected by that. Um that would that would really tell a a good tale, I think. Yep. All right, next topic I got is a long reoccurring topic that we've had on this podcast for many, many, many months. And it is a problem with the spotter disappearing, typically in a team environment. Uh, And David Tucker finally posts up that he has found the issue. He said, this is what it is. Basically, if you're out of the car and the replay is not playing at a normal speed and the spotter tries to make noise, that's when we fail to notice the sample did not play and get stuck waiting for it to finish. So that's what triggers it. You're in a session and you're running the replay at something besides normal speed, like you paused it or you're going fast forward or slow motion or something like that. And the spotter has to talk and that's what breaks it. And from that point on, you don't have a spotter. So if you want to avoid the problem, you don't uh, change the speed on the replay. Uh, he is working on a fix to to go out in the next maintenance build uh, to get it fixed, though. All right, Will? 
All right, we got a forum post here from Dustin McGrew asking for our, basically his wish list for the next 24 hours of Daytona. Um, first on the list, we have data night transitions, which, to be honest, it looks like we should have by next year as long as everything stays on track. Um, one of the, the second post was, or the second item was actually a really well thought out is weather sync to real world conditions. So basically, if it's 45 degrees and foggy at Daytona in real life, make it the same in the sim, which that would be honestly, in my opinion, a great feature across the board. Um, three, we have cautions. Um, I'm not really sure how that would work. And the poster, he said, if you have X number of incidents within a certain time frame, throw a caution. Um, I think that's just a way to um, artificially make the race um, exciting. I don't think we need that. Um, four, have more than one race session. Um, stagger them a few hours apart, which I'm definitely a fan of, um, especially when there's are issues with the service. Um, an option for body damage repair. Um, and I actually, after our run, I definitely think that's must uh, would be much needed, especially because it doesn't take much damage to really affect that car negatively, especially at Daytona with those high speeds. Um, number six on his list was an incident limit. So if anyone's cutting any corners on purpose, um, kind of weed those people out of the crowd. Better quality voice chat. Um, I don't just, know if that's a problem. Well, you know, honestly, I don't think so either. In fact, to be honest, we, we usually are in team speaking. We were the whole race. Pretty much all 24 hours of our session were just people, to be honest, just talking the whole time. I turned them off. Yeah, we, we had to mute about. them. Yeah. yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. A lot going on there. Um, a way to spectate and drive at the same time. Um, I don't really understand the purpose yeah. of that. Um, looks like it's uh, an idea for people who stream. Um, number nine, more LEDs on the cars. Um, some of those cars do have some pretty neat looking lighting effects to them, but I don't think that's a, really a priority. And there wasn't anything for number 10. Um, or 11, so. Yeah, I don't like all these ideas. I think I like the, obviously, the day-to-night transition, the weather, sync. The full-course caution is very intriguing. I mean, we have those in real life, so why can't we have them in the sim, you know? Maybe if somebody is stopped on track for X amount of seconds, you know, the full car, the full course comes out, or maybe it only comes out if somebody actually tows, you know? Yeah, the way he made it worded sounded like they were trying to artificially make the racing more. Um, kind of have those NASCAR cautions where it bunches the field back up. I think if it was done right, it would be cool. If, like, say we could actually lose our body parts on track. Or, you're right, if a couple cars pile up and we have to do, like, maybe two or three cars have to tow. Maybe do something of that nature. Right. It. Um. I just feel like it would have to be a system that shouldn't be able to be exploited. I think that would be my biggest fear is people taking advantage of that to make up time or laps. All right. What do you guys think? Any other ideas for the wish list for a 24-hour race? Um, on the weather, I don't do a whole lot of official racing anymore, but you know, I've seen people say stuff about weather. Oh, we need rain. We need this. I'm just worried some people can't drive when it's you know dry out there. And then you can put them on a wet track. And let him go. I'm kind of glad this is just a sim sometimes. <laughs> I was reading through this there, and uh, you know, the, the replacing the, the body panels, um, I thought that one was kind of neat. And, and a couple of posters had kind of elaborated on it because they can, you know, they do it in real life. Now, I've actually, I've never even watched the, re- the real life 24 hours of Daytona, so I don't know a whole lot going in. But, um, you know, and I guess it don't take that long to replace a couple of panels and they can do it. But, you know, if you're, you know, say you could do it once or twice throughout the, the 24 hours, I think that might be a, you know, a neat thing just to, just to kind of save you a little bit. Right. Right. And an opportunity to get the car back up to the original speed. Cause you know, like Will was saying, once you're wrecked, you're, you're always slow for the rest of the race, no matter what. Um, uh, they have the performance wrong in the Ferrari, so it is already at a disadvantage. Yeah. 
All right, uh, let's jump into hardware software. I'll pick up the first one. Uh, there was a guy, Emil Anderson from Scandinavia, posted in the forums. He's designed a Lego pedal, paddle shifter, paddle shifter out of Legos. And he posted up a forum post about it with uh, some pictures of exactly how he built it and what it looks like. And uh, he uses magnets uh, to make it work. And it's pretty ingenious. And as you scroll down, you can actually see he where he mounted it to his actual wheel. And he's using it, you know, for real on his wheel. A Lego uh, shifter. Yeah, I saw this. I was like, I just saw the picture there. I'm like, how is this going to work? And then the video, and I'm like, oh, damn, this guy's a genius so easy um like it, it's really simple that that roller switch he uses it's like you know a two or three dollar part and a couple of magnets bam you're done yeah i I'm, i was thinking it would fall apart if you start clicking on it you know but it doesn't i just think it's funny he's using legos on the direct drive wheel i mean for the shifter i mean it's a cool idea and you do what you got to do to make yourself you know more comfortable on realism in it it's yeah. such a simple, you know, cheap fix for on such a high dollar product. I have like a little furniture stopper jammed into my brake pedal, so I can't really talk much. <laughs> but um, his trick with the the really terrible uh, Thrustmaster pedals, um, I think there's a, a ten dollar uh, do it yourself mod that you can look up on YouTube, where they basically use a couple of furniture stoppers to give you. Um, a little bit more feeling in the pedal. I didn't quite go the same way they did, but something similar, and it helps a ton because it, it gives you uh, brake pressure. You'll get down halfway through the brakes, and then uh, that rubber will give you that brake pressure that kind of is better than just uh, the crappy default pedal, I guess. Right. Uh, I, use a, I use a wood clamp, um, just a cheap... Uh you know, ten dollar wood clamp, and I and I clamp it to my my keyboard tray to help keep it uh, solid. And that's where I mount my wheel. Well, that wood clamp also doubles as a holder for my button box. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's the best I can do because I'm too cheap to go buy a an Obutto, uh rig like what Mike has. Yeah, I bet you could probably find plenty of iRacers that have something rigged up kind of funky. I don't even want to talk about my steering wheel stand. <laughs> Well, let me guess. What a TV tray, like a uh, close. It's a TV stand with a two by four jammed in it and a piece of plywood on top, and it works great actually. All right. As long as you're comfortable, man. Yeah, no, I, people make some creative stuff. So as long as you're happy with it and feel comfortable driving, that's all that really matters. Okay, Tony, you got final topic. Okay, so this one. Uh... Actually, one of our uh, listeners and a, and a fellow Canadian uh, reached out to me and uh, um, give us, uh, you know, some good props on, he likes our podcast and says we're doing a good job. His name's uh, Clay Wagner. Well, he also sent me some um, information um, on how to fix uh, the Logitech G27. Um I looked through the post there, and it seemed like a lot of people were having issues with the optical encoder um, kind of crapping out. I guess it's, it's made of plastic. Well, there's a there's a company out there, and they make a uh, um, they make a, a replacement piece out of brass, um, really solid, and they also and I'm trying to find the uh, the name of the company that does it. Yeah, it's uh, cmlaserservice.com. And they yeah, if you go to that website, you can find that brass encoder and order it. Yeah, as well as he, he sent a link, um, ifixit.com. Um, I guess you can just search the, the Logitech G27 opti optical encoder replacement, and there is a really well laid out step-by-step instructions start to finish on on how to to break the wheel down and, and get to that encoder piece and and get it all fixed up yep 
And I think that's one of the pieces that breaks when the wheel breaks because you, like you said, it's plastic and, and whatnot. So you can buy this, this piece and get it fixed. And, uh, man, I was thinking about this and I still have my original wheel when I started iRacing. It's a G27. And if it broke, I was thinking, would I take this thing apart and fix it? I probably wouldn't. I'd probably just buy a different wheel uh, because I know it's already got a lot of use and a lot of laps on it. And I'm not sure I would I would go to fix it. But a lot of people are like that. So, Yeah, well, I mean, that the G27 has been out for so long now. Um, you know, maybe, well, hell, if it was like me, I wouldn't really want to upgrade maybe. And pretty cheap fix. Um, takes a little bit of time. But uh, the, the steps, like I said, this, this guide is awesome. Um, just walks you absolutely right through. It just holds your hand through the whole process. So other than, you know, a little bit of time, um, the difficulty levels with that guide is, uh, should be pretty low. Yep. So that was awesome. And, uh, you know, thank you, Clay Wagner, for um, reaching out to me and, and passing up this information. That was awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool how we're getting title ideas, I mean, uh, topic ideas from the listeners, and it seems like that's happening every week now. So, hey, if you're listening out there and you have a topic idea, you can reach out to anybody on the podcast, and uh, we'll put it on the on the show, guys. All right, that's it. Let's get into final thoughts. Uh, Chris Perez, you're up first. What do you got? Ah. It was just a lot of fun with the 24-hour race, being to hang out with you guys. I mean, that's all I really had to talk about is just, you know, helping you guys out. You know, being around you guys seemed like a pretty cool bunch, so I was just happy to be there. Yeah, and uh, it was fun racing with you, Chris, in the 24-hour. Me and you were trading off, and, uh, and uh, boy, I stuffed it. I got stuffed in the wall there, and, and you were very supportive and just got in the car and drove it and, and actually, you weren't too far off pace, actually, uh, once, even though it was wrecked up. But, uh, yeah, great job. Yeah, that was a great job on everybody's part there. Yep. All right, uh, William Gibson, what do you got? Um, uh, Definitely had a good time during that 24-hour race. Definitely looking forward to doing that again next year. Um, But now it's pretty much we're in the home stretch of the off-season and IS is starting up, and just kind of getting excited for that. I've been putting a lot of effort into um, playing with setups. I plan on working a lot with David Flowers, kind of get him up to speed during the year. And yeah, I'm excited for this season. We're we're so close now. It seemed like not that long ago the season ended. So just getting ready for that new season. Yeah, we really have a good group of guys uh, for NIS here. It's going to be fun. Uh, Tony Groves, what do you got? Well, um, I've, I at least stopped for one race, my, my streak of, of getting beat up out on the track. Um, you know, it's always my fault because I'm, but, uh, you know, I, I got to I run a race at Iowa in, in the C fix trucks and, and I wasn't, uh, obviously the fastest out there, but I kept it nice and clean. And, and, um, you know, I, I was able to get through the, about half the field I finished oh, I was working on a top 10 finish I needed a couple more laps to be able to get that done but um it was it was so nice to finally walk out of a race without losing a ton of IR and a ton of SR and um so that that really helped and I also uh jumped into the street stock dirt car um for the first time uh since they've they fixed it up and I wouldn't run a race with that car because I was just all over the place and had a really hard time uh keeping a handle on it while well, this new fix for someone like me what a blessing i mean i was i was able to run high i was able to run low and i was able to choose when i did that um i had a blast and uh um the last few laps of the race um i was actually keeping pace with the leader so had i not got into you know first couple lap uh shenanigans um that could have turned out to be a really good race, but uh, looking forward to doing some more of that. And obviously, uh, that that's going to probably you know fill a lot of my time till this NIS season kicks off. Yeah, yeah. I also enjoyed the dirt oval uh, the, this last week. I ran probably four times uh, the dirt street stock, 
And, and like you, uh, it, it's a night and day difference from what it used to be. You can actually drive the car and control it. And I had some fun uh, running Lanier dirt. Uh, I don't think I ran great, but it was fun, and I think I'm getting better, and I think I will continue to run that uh, as well. Well, what I really liked about that is now that, you know, the car moves a lot slower, and a lot of people were complaining about it, but, uh, you know, for someone like me, I don't have any experience on, on a dirt track or, you know, really in dirt cars, so it slows my feet down, it slows my hands down, and now I can actually concentrate and, you know, and figure out what I'm doing and what what I'm doing with my feet and hands and what it's doing to the car. Um, and I can process it a lot better. So as you move up in, in different classes of cars, um, it great starter, great rookie that the changes were phenomenal. Yeah. It's truly a rookie car now. And it wasn't a rookie car before. All right. Uh, very good, Tony. My final thoughts. Uh, yeah. 24 hour race is over. I'm not sure why we picked the Ferrari. I, I was talking to um, to the team earlier today about it. Uh, you know, you can't race for the overall win if you're in a slower class of car. And so I always want to run in the fastest class there is. So at least I have an opportunity for an overall win. Um, so I just don't understand. I, I guess I'm not a road guy, but I just don't understand the the allure of picking you know, a GT3 car um, over something else. But that's what the team picked. We ran it. We did pretty good. You know, it wasn't great. We finished. You know, that's a that's something to be said. And, boy, I'm ready for NASCAR. This A car is a handful, as I uh, pointed out today in the Dover practice. Uh, this season is going to be uh, tough with this new car. And so, boy, get your practice in, guys. It's going to be rough out there. Uh, and I think that's it. So if you want to give us feedback or topic ideas, hit us up on Facebook. And uh, with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.